Turn with me, please, uh, to Psalm 100. This is God's Word. Let us listen to Him. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He, is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. May God be pleased to bless this reading and hearing of his word to our hearts and to our lives. May he change our lives by his word. I think it's helpful to note that all of the psalms were set to music and they were sung in the congregation, in the synagogue, uh, by the, the Jewish people. And, and you could hear in Jerusalem, you could hear the worship because they had ram's horns and they, they made a lot of noise and they made a loud noise that they could be heard all over the city. How do people in the community know that we belong to God? Uh, they see us gather. Uh, they see the cars out in the lot, and they know that there are people here. But if they were to come into this sanctuary, how would they know that we love God, that we want to worship the living and true God? Uh, John Wesley said one time, Beware that your singing is not half dead and half asleep. We can all relate uh, to, to that. We don't sing as exuberantly and as joyfully as we need to. But aren't you glad that one of the Psalms, besides this one, is so full of joy? Psalm 122 and verse 1 says, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. What a delight it is to uh, worship God uh, together. Uh, it's not enough just to meditate upon God in our private devotions. That's absolutely necessary if we're to worship him publicly. Uh, you can't worship publicly unless you have spent time in private with uh, God. But God wants us to assemble together and raise our collective voices to Him. And because of this uh, COVID-19 virus, this uh, pandemic, uh, there are some, of course, who do not feel safe in public gatherings, and we respect that. But don't you know that they look forward, as we do, for everybody to be together someday to worship God without fear or danger of anything. But why is it so important to gather together to worship God? Well, because God tells us to. 
Look back at Psalm 95 and verse 1 and 2 and 6. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Verse 2, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. And verse 6, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. God has been calling his people to himself from the time that he called Israel to come out of Egypt and to come to Mount Sinai and to worship him there. But remember that even at that time, God was fulfilling a promise that he had made to Abraham that I will make of you a great nation and your seed, and your seed, singular, the nations of the earth would be blessed. And, of course, Paul tells us in Galatians that singular seed is Jesus Christ. And so when God brought his people out, he was fulfilling part of that promise to call people unto himself, to hear his word, and to uh, embrace his covenant. In fact, he's said to the people through Moses, if you will keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. Now, why would God do that? We'll think of that in just a, a few moments. And he says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's what God does. He delivers his people from bondage, from sin, from hell, from death. He calls them to worship him. He, he takes us into his family and he uses us, listen to me, he uses us to bless others. And I'm going to tell you in a few moments a real blessing that I had this week from a family who lost a loved one. They were such a, a blessing. But the same language of Exodus 19 about who God's people are. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And Peter goes on to say that the purpose of this calling upon his people is that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Each of us claims that we have been called out of darkness, out of the darkness of sin, out of the darkness of self, out of the darkness of, of death itself, out of the darkness of what Satan wants to do in the earth. We've been called out of that. And we should no longer live in it. We should live in the light of his presence and rejoice in his grace unto us. Yes, he's calling us to come into the gospel to believe as we sang that Jesus and Jesus alone has satisfied God's justice and that we desperately need him so we can come and listen to Psalm 100. And we can come and sing Psalm 100 
with exuberance. Do you think you sang it with exuberance already today? We'll have another opportunity at the end maybe to sing it with a little more exuberance. It's kind of hard with the mask on, uh, isn't it? But still, uh, if our eyes delight in what we are singing, we are singing God's Word itself, uh, we ought to, people ought to be able to see. If an unbeliever came in and say, would say, here are a people who really love God and worship Him because of the expressions and the uh, way that we enter into uh, worship. Well, think with me who it is that we make a joyful noise unto. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. This is the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God, the God of Scripture, the God who created all things, the God who sustains all things. And we know that this is really talking about Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. By the word of his mouth, he uh, sustains the heavens even. What a wonder. And someday he's going to bring all things to a conclusion. We make a joyful noise to this Lord. We serve this Lord, this Jehovah, and we delight in coming into his presence with singing. Why? Because he's God. We are not. He is not made in our image. He is not the God of our imaginations. He is not anything that we would like for him to be. People might glibly, and you've heard people refer to God this way, glibly refer to God as the man upstairs. Well, that belittles God if you're just saying that's God, the man upstairs, makes him like us. But Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Yes, Jesus did take upon himself our nature. He was 100% man. But to say the man upstairs, if you're referring to the Lamb of God at the right hand of the Father, the, the man who is the God-man, the one who died for your sins, that's one thing. But just to say that's God in general, the man upstairs is to uh, take God very lightly. Jesus did come, took upon himself our flesh and blood. He had to. He had to if you and I are to get to heaven. He had to live that perfect life that you and I cannot live. He had to die that death that we dare not die. He suffered hell so that we could someday be in heaven uh, with him. It was absolutely necessary for him to suffer hell, which he did on the cross, right? On the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's the one that we come to today. He's God in every sense of the word, and we sing joyful to him as our creator. Look at verse 3. It is he who made us. We did not make up God. 
He's not a product of our imaginations. He made us. And then he adopted us. We are his. What great security in the midst of the difficulties of this life, in the midst of viruses, in the midst of uh, cancers and old age difficulties and, and death itself. We are his. Romans 8.38 says that we read, and I read it again, I am sure that neither death nor life nor things present nor things to come will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That was brought home to me with great joy uh, with a family that I visited uh, recently. I was to go out and see the patient and and uh, share God's word with him, not knowing whether he was a believer or not, not knowing anything about the family. I'd never seen him nor them, but I was about to go out and visit, and I got uh, a message that the patient had died. But the family wanted me to come on. And so I'm driving uh, to go and see the family, and I said, Lord, uh, what shall I read? to them. I don't even know them. And Romans 8, 38 and 39 <clears throat> came to my mind. I said, okay. And I go on and I meet the family and I talk with them and, and I get ready to leave and, and I read Romans 8, 38 and 39 to them and I pray with them. Yeah, Lord, I've done what you want me to do. And then as I was leaving and went out the back door, the daughter followed me and said, I want you to know something. Uh, when my daddy died, it was at 8.38. And I thought of Romans 8.38 at that moment. I had no way of knowing that, but God did. And I read Romans 8.38 and 39. Uh, to them. That's a God thing. That's the way that God works. And we need to share these wonders that He works in our lives. Uh, we should not be ashamed of anything that God does in our hearts and, and lives. And in fact, we need to be exuberant about our worship and about our lives in Christ. I can remember back in 1954 going to Mobile, Alabama and watching a football game between Southern, Little Mississippi Southern College playing Alabama. Might have been North Carolina State, I don't remember now. Uh, anyway, they, they they weren't supposed to win, but Southern won that game. And you think that people in Mobile were mostly uh, from Southern, yes, and could you hear them shout and, and rejoice that the, we won the game? Uh, yes. Doesn't God deserve greater than the shouts and joys that we give in the, this physical realm in sports. Surely he does. And we need to think about this. We need to pray about this. How can we prove
to the world that God is great, that he is majestic, that there are so many excellencies that he makes known to us. We need to praise him better. So we delight to worship this God from whom we can never be separated. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. This is Jehovah. This is who he is. This psalm says, make a joyful noise to Jehovah. If you'll notice in your English Bible that the word Lord is all in capital letters, anytime that that's true in the Old Testament scriptures, that Lord is in all capital letters, it's a translation of the word Jehovah or Yahweh. Who is this Yahweh? Who is this Jehovah? He's God, it says. And we read in Psalm 23, the Lord, all capital letters, is my shepherd. He's the one who watches over us as a shepherd. He's the one who calls us out. He's the one who gives life to the sheep. He's the one who provides for us. Who is this? Jesus was talking to the Pharisees one day and he said, before Abraham was, I am. And they had asked him, you're not even 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? Has he seen you? Because Jesus had said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and was glad. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Which is the word Yahweh. I am that I am. The word, the, the name that was revealed to Moses in the burning bush, sending him to Egypt to call his people unto himself. And Jesus says, that's who I am. I am Jehovah. How do we know that? Because they took up stones, the Pharisees did, to stone him. Because they said he's committing blasphemy by calling himself Jehovah. And he escaped from their midst, of course, but that was proof that he is Jehovah. One day, when John the Baptist was in prison, he told his disciples, go to Jesus. This, I'm in prison. Is this the way it's supposed to be? Go and find out if he's the one that is our Messiah, or do we wait for another? And so they did that and told Jesus, do, or asked him, do we wait for another? And he said, go and tell John what you see. The deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised to life, the blind are made to see a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy that this one who would come and do this would be God in the flesh, would be Emmanuel, God with us. Two disciples on the road to Emmaus one day after Jesus had died and was resurrected. Jesus walked with them. They didn't recognize him. And he began to talk with them. What did he tell them? 
He began with Moses and all the prophets and revealed the things concerning himself in the Old Testament. And they said our hearts burned within us as we heard him. As you read the Old Testament, as you read something like this, the Lord rejoicing him, shout to him, or the Lord is my shepherd. Does that point you to Jesus? Does that tell you that he's the one that you need to delight in? Yes, it does. And who are we? Who are we that we should delight in this Jehovah? Verse 3 says we are his people. He claims us as his own. Why? Why does he do that? We've said it before, we'll say it again. It's not the right question to ask, why don't other people understand? The right question to ask is, why do you and I understand? Purely of grace, purely because God has called us to himself, purely because he wanted to. He doesn't call us to himself because he sees our potential. He doesn't call into us to himself because he sees that we're going to believe. He doesn't call us to himself because we're made in his image. He calls us to himself and sets his love upon us because he wanted to. Listen to Ephesians 1 and verse 5. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his Will, it was his pleasure to make us his own. And when we experience his love, when we have heard that voice of our shepherd, and only the sheep hear his voice, when we have heard that voice of the shepherd, when we know how sinful we are, and what Jesus has done for us, shouldn't that make us Rejoice loudly with exuberance, delight in worshiping God. For we will know that this Jehovah is our shepherd, the one who leads us in uh, green pastures and beside still waters and in paths of righteousness. That's what we say is happening because we're under the shepherd and we're following the shepherd this is the one that we worship. Why? Why do we worship him? Because it's about God. Not our feelings. It's about who he has revealed himself to be. It's about his goodness. For he alone is, is good. We're not. You're not good. I'm not good. But we've been called to be God's people. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one, none who seeks after God, not one, not one who seeks after God. Well, we say, well, we've sought after him. How'd that happen? The Bible says he quickened us. He sent forth his word and quickened us, made us alive in Christ, so that we could then seek him. You wouldn't have sought him. I would not have sought him. 
if he had not quickened us. We have new attitudes, new motives, new desires. We're new creatures in Christ, not apart from him. He's our righteousness. He's our goodness. And we look toward him. Paul says, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Our focus is on him. Our focus is on that city that's not made with human hands, the one to which we have been called. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We experience his mercy in that he does not give us what we deserve. We experience his grace in that he gives us what we do not deserve. He's good. He's merciful. And when we grasp these things, when these things become a part of our hearts and our minds, and we think about these things, they're not empty. They have meaning. Because this is Jehovah who has revealed himself. This is the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God that when we fail, he doesn't. And we still belong to him. And if you think that God loves you more because you do good, or God loves you less when you do bad, you don't understand the love of God. God loves us just as much, good or bad. And we need to lay hold of that and rejoice that we're not trying to make him love us. He loves us because it's his pleasure to do so. And so we come. You come to make a, a joyful noise unto him. Not all the psalms are joyful. There are some that are called the imprecatory psalms that, that speak of uh, the psalmist says, Lord, destroy the wicked. But they were still sung in, in worship as a part of God's working uh, in the earth. But there ought to be, we need to pray about it and think about how we can more exuberantly anyway, sing these psalms and worship before him. And, and after all, when we come into his gates with thanksgiving, it's not to just say, well, thank you, Lord. Thank, thank me for what, he says. To come into his gates with thanksgiving is to thank him for who he is, to thank him for what he has done, to thank him for his great salvation, to thank him for his protection, to thank him that he's our refuge, he's our high tower, he's our strength, to thank him for things, to rejoice in him, the excellencies that he has made known unto each of us that we claim he has made known to us. And if he has, then we ought to be able to sing and rejoice before him with thanksgiving and with great joy and to Worship him with uh, delight. Let's not do as John Wesley warned us of, sing half-heartedly or like we're half-dead. But think upon what we sing. Think upon who God is. Think upon this psalm 
that we are to be witnesses to the nations because this is a call to the nations, to all the people. How will they know that God is real if we do not show that he made us alive and he can make them alive through that seed of the woman, through that singular seed of Abraham, that promise given, that one who fills the Old Testament. The Lord, Jehovah, is his name. May our neighbors know that we delight in God, and then may it be unto the county and the state or wherever God would take us. May it ripple from here as we praise Him with joy, as we sing with delight in Him, as we worship the living and true God. May He make it so in our hearts and in our lives so that the world may take note that God's people worship Him here together. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have called us to yourself. Help us to meditate upon the reality of this and to consider how great you are and what great things you have done that would cause us from time to time to shout with joy before you. May our lives prove that we belong to you, not just in worship, but day by day, proving to our neighbors and to the world that we've been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus. For we pray in his name. Amen.